have a list of any medications that you or your loved one takes daily. Have a quick medical history, any major surgeries or other health information or history that may be pertinent for someone to know if the person cannot speak on their own behalf. Also include any medications that you may be allergic to. I'm Leon Guidry, and this is the Brother Be Well podcast, sponsored by Blue Shield of California's Blue Sky Initiative. Today, we're addressing trauma and healing with an emphasis on boys and men of color. It's about to get real with our hosts, experts, and guests. Gather around, y'all. Hi, I'm Michael P. Coleman, content director for Brother Be Well. Thanks to the support of Blue Shield of California's Blue Sky Initiative, we're going to help you assemble your family mental health emergency toolkit. Just as you probably know where to find a few first aid basics like bandages and antiseptic for physical health emergencies, we all need to be prepared for mental health emergencies by having the basics at the ready. To help us assemble that mental health emergency toolkit, we're chatting with one of our Brother Be Well clinical advisors, Cherie Kreiner. She's also a registered nurse, a former psychiatric nurse, and the Vice President of the Capital City Black Nurses Association. Cherie, welcome back to Brother Well. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. Let's get into this conversation. I've been looking forward to having it with you, Cherie. I'm wondering, Cherie, is talking about mental health openly among family members and specifically discussing what may happen during a crisis, a valuable exercise prior to the occurrence of a mental health emergency? You know, the, the thing I'm thinking about there is those of us, at least that grew up in the Midwest, we used to have tornado drills and, and kids grow up in school going through fire drills to prepare children for the emergency that you hope never happens, but you want to be prepared for it. I'm wondering about preparation for mental health emergencies. Should we be thinking about that in the same way? Absolutely, Michael. The more prepared you are, the better equipped you are to deal with the situation. And the key word is talk about it. Normalize it with your family. Make the uncomfortable comfortable. Talk about mental health. Ask about it. Share create a new norm for your family. So talking about it is definitely one piece. And then the other part would be pulling together all the things that you would need to better equip you to respond. So just like your toolbox and needing a hammer and a saw and a measuring tape, you need those same types of items that help in a mental health crisis. So your medication list that you're on, important numbers to have, things of that nature that'll help you get through the situation as quickly and safely as possible and decrease that stress of that stressful moment. So you got right into that second question already, Cherie, and I knew you would. That toolkit, it might be a little foreign for people to think about it that way, but there are some things that need to be in it and need to be accessible, just like that physical health toolkit. Would you say that that's why that's so important? You got to have it ready for you when you need it. You hope you never need it, but you need to have it ready. Absolutely. It's like your insurance. It's there in the background. It has all the components you need and and what you need is what you're able to get. And it's also important to think about when you're going through a stressful situation, you may not be thinking clearly, you're having that fight or flight. So having things laid out in an easy way that's accessible so that you can help yourself or your family member or other loved ones that may be around is really key in helping to make that situation as successful as possible. What are some of the signs, Cherie, that that someone or their family member might be experiencing a mental health crisis? Right. So a mental health crisis is specifically when you yourself are unable to control your symptoms or the experience that you're having, and your family members 
are not able to control the symptoms or the experience that you're having. And the interventions that you may have already had from your healthcare provider are also not working. It becomes a crisis when you're no longer able to manage the situation yourself. In particular, it's an emergency if you are causing harm to yourself or at risk for doing so or causing harm to others or at risk for doing so. So you're in a situation and nothing that you are able to do is able to change that situation. That is when you are in a crisis where you move beyond your ability to handle it on your own. That's really well put and makes it really um, um, salient for anybody listening or watching. That makes it really clear. Appreciate it, Cherie. 911, we know, can be a valuable resource, but some say that it might not be the best number to call during a mental health emergency. I'm, I'm curious, with your experience, Cherie, what's your, what are your thoughts on that? Right, absolutely. If you think about it, when you call 911, sometimes there's a first responder, like a fire truck, fire department. Um, sometimes the local police department or a sheriff may um, arrive. And then sometimes it's an ambulance, right? So 911 is appropriate for those emergency situations to quickly assess and provide the best help possible based on who shows up. On the other side of that is if you have a plan for a mental health crisis, there are mobile mental health units. There are your own uh, mental health providers that you can call directly. They may be able to handle or assist with the situation from afar. So you can get to who you actually need instead of having that barrier. For instance, if the police respond to your 911 call, then you're not getting a licensed therapist or clinician. You're not getting someone that is an expert with de-escalating mental health crises. You're getting someone that may be able to transport you to an emergency department or um, get you to the next step, but not really provide the best service. So yes, it is and intervention, right? But you want to do the best thing that's safe and healthy and planned out so that you can actually get the care that you need, the highest quality of care that you need. So I definitely suggest having a plan so that you know who you can reach out to to get the resources that are safest for you or your loved one in a mental health crisis. I appreciate that perspective as well, Cherie. It, it's important to have that 911 number at the ready, and there are a couple of others that, that people might want to hang on to. In lieu of 911, Mental Health America offers a nationwide 24 hour crisis center. That number is 800 273 TALK or 273 8255. Here in Sacramento County, we're broadcasting from Sacramento, California. Residents can call 888 888- 881-4881. That's 888-881-4881 or 916-875-1055. That's an alternative to 911. I'm curious from, from your perspective, Cherie, why are those alternatives to 911 so vital during the first seconds or minutes of a mental health emergency? Right. So it's kind of like your phone a friend, right? If you are personally stuck and don't know what to do for yourself, and your family members or loved ones that are around don't know what to do as well. Sometimes just having that listening ear from a professional that may guide you to do exercises or provide you connection to the medication that you may need or help set you up with local resources to get a, a mental health transport to the type of facility that you may need to go to. It's really kind of creating that concierge kind of 
service where you get exactly what you need from people that are trained to help you through those mental health crises. So those are excellent choices uh, to use in light of having that type of issue going on. It's really great that we have that, that you can get right to the folks that know what to do and where to tell you to go if you're unable to handle it where you are. Excellent that we have those resources. I, I concur with you, Cherie, on that one. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline, I think, needs to be in everyone's toolkit. So I'll give you that number, 800-273-8255. For those listening on an audio podcast, 800-273-8255. Based on your experience as a psychiatric ER nurse, a psychiatric nurse, rather, Cherie, how quickly can a situation arise in which that number might be critical? Absolutely. Sometimes people think of having a suicidal ideation, as we would call it, or thinking about suicide as something that someone may have thought about for a long time, or there was a buildup. And that's not always true. Sometimes there are traumatic events that happen, and people feel hopeless and desperate, and there's no way out. And they consider suicide up to the point of even having a plan as to how they're going to carry it out. The professionals at the suicide hotline are able to help you think it through. Um, and try to figure out how to get you the help that you need um, and if they can talk you off that ledge. So there's, you know, an important component, especially as healthcare providers, we not only assess have you thought about suicide, but if you have a plan and if you have access to those means to use that plan. And we use that to gauge the severity of the situation. If you are feeling like you want to harm yourself and you have the means to do it and there's no one around, then that's when we would essentially activate getting maybe your local law enforcement involved or your mental health mobile uh, folks involved so that someone could actually be there to make sure you're not in a position where you have access to harm yourself. So it's a great tool and it's it's 24-7. You can use it anytime. You're not waiting for access. There's always someone there um, to talk to you where you can think things through. And, and suicide certainly isn't one that, that any of us want to think about, Cherie, but we need to. And I love the way you put that, that it's not always something that's been built up over time. Some very quick events can occur, as you've just taught us. And and someone may be um, in a position where uh, someone in your care, this is a parent and caregiver series, someone in your care might need you to have that number at the ready um, to, to use if you need it. Really appreciate you sharing that perspective. Self-care, let's talk about that. I would think that some self-care tools need to be in everybody's toolkit. I'm wondering if I'm right about that, Cherie, why self-care is so important, so vital, and what are some of the critical components to effective self-care? All right, Michael, I'm actually going to tell you a story about how this is so important. So um, I suffer from anxiety. I've had it for a long time, and I would realize that certain events would trigger my anxiety. And, you know, it's quick to say, well, is there a medication I could take or some quick fix? But let me tell you, when I worked with my therapist to identify what types of self-care activities I can do before I go into doing a stressful, um, you know, event or before I know that I have to have a difficult conversation with someone and it, it provides that anxiety. So my, my healthcare provider told me to have a plan. You know that that's going to be stressful. What is something that you can do that relieves your stress? Is there an activity that you like to do? Um, and so, yeah, I, I picked that. I was like, you know, I, I'm really into um, doing hot Pilates, like 
it just always calms me down. It's something that I like to do. So we place that activity before planned stressful events, or I do it after a stressful event that has happened that has occurred. And so I know that that's one of the tools in my toolkit that I can call on when I've either have something stressful coming up or I've experienced something stressful by surprise. So I would suggest during non-critical or non-crisis times to really identify which things bring you joy, um, make you happy, can change your mood, whether that be meditation, yoga, Pilates, running, walking, talking with friends, playing games on your phone, um, getting massage therapy, getting a manicure, getting a pedicure, whatever activity um, changes your mood, then have some of those things in your toolkit that you know, this is my go-to, this is a positive self-care thing to do, and this is what I'm going to do um, when those feelings come up. I love that idea, Cherie. I, I, I too uh, suffer managed anxiety and, and learned along the way that if I know, once I identify what the triggers were and I knew when they were going to come up, which in some cases I did, I always planned one of those fun activities for just after that, that trigger. So knowing the mm-hmm. trigger was going to arise, leading up to it would cause me some anxiety but if I knew, okay, this is going to happen at six o'clock, but at seven o'clock, I get to jump on my bike or at seven o'clock, I get to, to you know, go swimming. So I picked something I really, really love to do. So it, it took the edge off of even the trigger. I knew, okay, it's going to be in front of me, soon it'll be behind me, and then I'll be in the swimming pool. So that's a great, it's good to know from a, a clinician that, that I kind of made it up myself, as a, tricked myself out of being anxious, but it's good to hear from you that it's a, it's a good idea, a clinically sound idea. Yeah, a tool in your toolbox. Tell me before I let you go, um, Cherie, or tell us before I let you go, what else needs to be in our mental health emergency toolkits? So I strongly suggest making an actual list. Have a list of any medications that you or your loved one uh, takes daily. Have a quick medical history, any major surgeries um, or other health information or history that may be pertinent for someone to know if the person cannot speak on their own behalf. Also include any medications that you may be allergic to. Um, An advanced directive that goes over what you want done in case of a certain um, medical situation and you can't speak on your own behalf. That's another good item to have ahead of time so that you've already had a conversation with someone and they know your wishes about what they want done in times where you can't make decisions on your own. Um, Make sure to have contact numbers for your healthcare providers, your regular primary care provider your uh, therapist or psychologist or psychiatrist, and also your medical record number, the type of insurance that you have, and if there's any special numbers to call um, to use that insurance for your care. So if you can put all that information in one place, then it's very easy to grab that information and go if you're leaving in a rush for someone that may be with you to check the information. Um, And then also make sure to have a conversation about it. Everyone should know where this information is so that it's easily accessible. Some people will post it, a one pager right on their refrigerator and just pin it up. And like, here's all the important stuff that someone needs to know. And maybe on that one page, there's a note to say, my my health records are in the top of the closet in the hallway. Um, Plan ahead, have conversations often and destigmatize the mental health component in your own home and in your life 
by just sharing your experiences and also talking about what your needs may be or what the needs of those that you care for may be. Let me, those are great suggestions, Cherie. Can I go back to the note on the refrigerator? I was a little surprised at that because uh, with the advent of technology, I was wondering about when you were describing the list, I was wondering about making maybe a shared note on, on a phone, a mobile device that your whole family would have. Do you have a recommendation? Does it need to be a hard copy somewhere or would, would holding onto that in some type of digital platform, would that work? I will tell you this, you absolutely can use digital platforms. In fact, a lot of the newer devices offer that type of information that's accessible. Um, a lot of people lock their devices these days too. So you notice that you, you may not have access to that in the, in the moment. As a healthcare provider and a first responder, oftentimes if, I, if we're going to a house where someone's having a medical emergency, there may not be time to look through a phone or go to a device, but if something is there very fast to grab where that can go with that person, then that information um, can be taken quickly. So I actually strongly suggest having not only digital copy, copies, that's a great way to share information and I'm all for that, but considering um, having something quick that's posted, that is easily accessible, that doesn't need a password and someone can find um, and look for. The other thing I meant to mention as well, as uh, they still make those good old fashioned medical alert lids. I know you remember those in the 80s was all the rage. You know, I fall and I can't get up and all those things, but they do make super cool jewelry now um, that has a little medical symbol, which symbolizes to those of us in healthcare that there may be an issue. And it could have a brief word with just the type of condition you have, something you're allergic to. And so we are also trained to look for that as well, if there's a, a clue as to what may be going on. That's a great, great set of suggestions, Cherie. I, I really, really appreciate it. Cherie Kreiner, uh, registered nurse, former psych nurse, uh, Brother Rewell Clinical Advisor and Vice President of the Capital City Black Nurses Association. Always great to have you here for these discussions, Cherie. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. We'll talk to you next time. And I also want to thank our sponsor for this series, Blue Shield of California, and specifically their Blue Sky Initiative. That initiative boosts access to mental health support. You can learn all about it at their website, bluesky.blueshieldca.com. For those listening on podcast, that's bluesky.blueshieldca.com. I'll give you another website really quickly, brotherbewell.com. That's ours. If you've enjoyed this video or podcast and you want to see or hear more, go to that website. Videos and podcasts just like this one, compelling print pieces, lots of uh, resources, links to resources. They're all designed to help boys and men of color be well. Who are those boys and men of color? African-American, Latinx, Asian and Pacific Islander, and Native and Indigenous, 13 and up, and the LGBTQIA plus communities that enhance those cultural communities. We are here for all of those folks, and it's all at brotherbewell.com. My name again, Michael P. Coleman. I'm content director for Brother Be Well. I want to thank you for listening in or watching this video. And I want to ask you to do two things for me. Please take great care of yourself and then take good care of somebody else. Till next time, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Brother Be Well podcast. I'm Leon Guidry. Shout out to our sponsor, Blue Shield of California's Blue Sky Initiative. It takes a village and we're doing our part to address and heal trauma while supporting parents and caregivers along the way. Thanks for stopping by and remember my brothers, be well.